Welcome to our Saturday simulcast, joined by Brian Newbert. I want to thank the Union Purdue Union Club Hotel, A11 Bistro, Boiler Up Bar. Brian is live from Walt Disney World. Uh, I think it's the correct term. Uh, they, they're not trademarked down there, but well, they are trademarked, but to make sure we say their name right. But we appreciate uh, Brian taking the time. Kind of a momentous night, Wednesday night, that Zach Eady makes his decision to to forego the NBA draft and he will come back to Purdue and Brian certainly a you know a lot of interest in that to say the least and certainly a sets uh, the tone for clearly now what's what's next for Purdue basketball in the 2023-24 season yeah uh, obviously having the consensus national player of the year back is a positive thing um yeah. you know Purdue has a chance to be a better team this year than they were last year. They won 29 games last year, and two Big Ten championships, and all anybody seems to care about is what happened in the NCAA tournament, which is fair. But, you know, everybody's going to expect the uh, sun, moon, and stars from this team next year. And, you know, this might be a team that, you know, could be up to it because uh, they've got the best player in college basketball last season back. I think, you know, the experience Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer have will transform them, uh, obviously, in a very positive way. I think Lance Jones, I, I mean, I can't claim to be a Lance Jones expert in terms of how much of an impact he's going to have, but he seems to check a lot of boxes in terms of what Purdue needs. He seems to fill a lot of, uh, you know, presumed deficiencies. I think, you know, Purdue's got a great front court again. I think they're going to be a great rebounding team. I think that uh, defensive improvement, uh, can be assumed uh, with experience and just, um, you know, people improving. And I think Lance Jones is a big part of that puzzle too. Um, Got to shoot better. That's, you're going to hear that from me about a thousand times between now and the start of the season. It's five of 26 can't happen again. Uh, that's what ended Purdue season. A lot of things went wrong in that FDU game, but you make two more threes and everything's different. And, you just can't uh, you can't let that happen again. You have to you have to shoot better. You have to maximize the um, advantages Zach Eady gives you in more ways than just riding Zach Eady. You have to take advantage of his presence, his influence, the gravity he has on games, you know, things like that. And uh, but you know, Purdue's been number one in the country, you know, two years in a row now. And you know, there's they seem to be um you know, capable of being right back in that conversation this year because they're they can be really good. Now the 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 backhanded compliment to being that good and having expectations that high is that you know you are again the team that everybody uh, expects the world from and everybody's gunning for and all that stuff. And that's not a role Purdue has played all that consistently well the last couple of years. You know the Rutgers two years in a row has really kind of taken it to them for to them for the first 10 minutes or whatever it's been of those games. And, you know, it, it seemed to me like against F, FDU from afar, I was watching on TV, they seemed like a team burdened by expectations. Uh, uh, that might have just been me imagining things. Um, but they're going to have to handle that. They're going to have to, they're going to have to understand too, that they're going to hear a lot of stuff about the NCAA tournament all year long. 
this is going to be another year-long panic attack for Purdue fans, I'm sure, because every time Purdue loses a game or every time the opponent goes on an 8-0 run, uh, it's going to be, oh, well, this is going to happen in March. It's going to end the season. You know, um, but they've got every – I don't want to say they have everything, but they've got a lot of pieces, a lot of assets, you know, to be really good. And I think experience is a big part of that now. And the reality is that Purdue won 29 games last season, won the Big Ten title, won the Big Ten tournament title, and that wasn't their year uh, because the two guards were were true freshmen. And we saw in the NCAA tournament this year how much experience a guard matters. And now Purdue not only has the best player back, best player in college basketball back, but they've got depth around him. And those guards are closer to being grownups from a basketball perspective. Now, Braden Smith is going to be a different player this year. Fletcher Lawyers can be a different player this year. Uh, Purdue's going to have an offseason, a normal offseason. They did not have one last year because half the team was standing on the sideline all year. Uh, they have the European trip in August that can at least give them some, you know, quote unquote games under their belt. I don't know how competitive that's going to be, but, um, but yeah, I mean that they 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 have every reason in the world to expect great things this year. And I don't think there'd be anything wrong with Purdue walking into this season, you know, believing their own hype because confidence is never a bad thing. And everybody says we have to tune it out, you know. I, I, I've never really understood that. Like, if you're the best team in the country, carry yourself like the best team in the country. Under, embrace it. And, you know, I think some things mentally of, about, Purdue's, uh, about Purdue's collection of guys this year is going to be put to the test. Um, this is a long answer to a short question. But, uh, um, but yeah, Zach Eadie's a great player. He's, he's a great offensive player. He's a great defensive player. Uh, Purdue's got to help them more. That was the top-heavy team last year. Uh, they, they need more balance. They need to do some di some different things. But uh, this is one of those situations where you know people are going to expect everything from Purdue, and Purdue might be up to it. Yeah, and and you like he wrote uh, the time now it wasn't last year. The time is now for for Matt Painter's crew, and there's no. Uh, no getting around that, I don't think, from that, that standpoint. I uh, don't know that we'll be having this discussion with Zach Eady about coming back for another year, a year from now. So, um, Well, yeah, no. It's, it's, no, it is technically possible, but, we're, but uh, well, we're not. I'm, you know, I, I actually just kind of woke up thinking about this the other day. Like, um, is the COVID year available to only the guys who were part of the NCAA tournament that got canceled or is it available to the people who played in the bubble stuff? Because if it's just the NCAA tournament that was canceled, the only guy left on the roster who'd be eligible for that is Mason Gillis, who was redshirt. Right. Um, and I, 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 I don't know how I glanced right over that. Um, yeah, I know. I'm not sure. I thought it was everybody that was in the bubble year, but, I, but I know, I don't know that. And, and you're right. We need to make that clear if that, but I, you know, nowadays with the NCAA, you could, uh, you, you could go to Arby's and they forgot to put cheese on your sandwich and you can, you could file a petition and you could get an extra year of eligibility. That's just kind of the way it works. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I it doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. Now we do know or think we know that this did come down to, I mean, it came down to what, 916 
p.m. Eastern time last night when Zach decided to to harness his his uh, his uh, or make his post. How do you? Uh, I mean, from from what you know and what we and what we may know, that seemed like there were a lot of discussions still going on. He was trying to find out whether there was value in the NBA. It just seemed to me, from all your sources, that nobody really knew exactly what he was going to do until the end. Is that a still a fair assessment in your evaluation? Well, I had people, um, I had people all week telling me that they thought he was going, and I think it was coming from people who did or could or should know. Um, and but I'm not sure anybody outside him, his agent, and his probably his family, you know, really knew. I think. He's like any kid. I think if the opportunity was 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 there for him uh, and ideal, uh, he doesn't want to go to the G League and he wanted a guarantee. And that that that's that's 100 percent of the, the players in his same position uh, looking for those things. Um, for the most part, there are some guys who, uh, you know, kind of understand that the G League is their best bet. But I don't think he wants to go that route. Ultimately, that might, he might have to do that after next year, but um, I think he just gave the NBA every opportunity to say, we are drafting you. If we don't draft you, we are signing you a guaranteed contract as an undrafted player. That would be very rare, but he's just looking for, for some sort of guarantee, and guarantees are hard to come by, yeah. um, very hard to come by, and they're not worth paper they're written on, if they're written. If they're written, they're a contract, so I guess they're not written, but... Um, it helps when you have an agent with the sort of influence Mark, Mark Bartlestein has, because when you owe him favors, that that's, you know, that, that's, 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 that can help some of his clients or vice versa. Um, but I think he was, he was ready to go if the right phone call came and it, it must not have come. Um, that being said, he, he, his, his approach all along was that he has no bad options. I genuinely think he enjoyed last season uh, up to the end. I think he enjoyed his teammates. I don't know if he, you know, enjoyed the, the getting punched in the kidneys every Big Ten game and not getting foul calls. But um, we're going to be talking about that again all year. Oh, lovely, yes, <laughs> but uh, um, I think that. Purdue all along has been a very palatable option, but this is not failure. You know, that this is, this is simply the time, not now. Uh, obviously his, his category of player is not one that is particularly uh, in vogue right now in the NBA and may never be again. Uh, so I think he probably uh, understands that uh, and will just have to find his way in the professional ranks after next season, but obviously these are very different times too. There's, this is not a, this is not a situation where uh, he's coming back to Purdue with his tail between his legs. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to make more money probably in college for his last year than he might've made, you know, in, in some, some sort of level of professional basketball working his way up. Uh, he, he will do very well on the NIL front, I believe. Uh, he will have a chance to obviously have a, you know, be part of a great team with teammates he likes once again. Um, but it, it's also, I think he genuinely was pissed off, you know, last year about the way it all ended. Uh, so like everybody else for Purdue, it, it's all going to come down to the NCAA tournament. It's going to be, 
it's going to be one of those years where just the only thing anybody outside the program cares about is what happens in the NCAA tournament because, you know, Purdue's lost three years in a row after two years after coming within an eyelash of the final four. And uh, it's sort of becoming a, it's sort of becoming an albatross here. And uh, last year's loss was, was, was awful. And I think he took it personally. I think he's that sort of kid who, who, who can, when he takes them personally, he really wants to make it right. And uh, I think that, uh, I think he's going to be really motivated coming into the season. Uh, that said, he's going to, it's going to be the same deal uh, as last year. He's going to have three people guarding him the whole season. His stats might have to dip uh, if people around him improve and make more shots and stuff like that. But I, I think Purdue has a chance to be a better team, which is a mouthful considering, you know, the sort of season they had last year up until the NCAA tournament. Yeah, 29 wins and uh, and like I said, two as you said earlier, two Big Ten championships. All right, what do you see? Now, I, I, I think also, I'm sorry to preempt your, what yeah. might have been your next question. I think Purdue will use them a little bit differently too. I think that was my last to, question. <laughs> they are, they're going to have to mix things up a little bit, be a little less predictable offensively, take some of the take some of the pressure off him, try to keep defenses out of situations where they can just load up on Edie and, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, so I, I don't know if Purdue was necessarily, you know, I, I think Edie surprised everyone last year. I think Purdue was planning to play through him last year, obviously, but I, I think when he quickly showed everyone, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the best player in college basketball, I think it became – one of those deals where you just had to give him the ball every time down the floor and you had to keep him on the floor 30 plus minutes a game, 30, you know, 35 on a lot of nights. Um, I think now Purdue's going to try to, you know, spend the offseason working on some things that not only can make Purdue a little bit more diverse offensively, maybe defensively too, but also help him a little bit too uh, in terms of developing his game for the next level. I'm not talking about shooting threes. If he wants to, sh if he wants to shoot a three or two a month, you know, great. But that's not going to be a huge part of what he does this year. I think they're going to try to use him in a little more dynamic sort of offense, more dribble handoffs, more ball screens, things like that. They're going to use him as a dive man more, probably Sl slipping stuff uh, off screens the way like guys like Matt Harms used to do things. Now that that's a big boy, you know crash in the rim there so we're going to see how a lot of this stuff goes but look the reality is and you're going to hear me say this over and over and over again is Purdue has to help him they are going to ask Braden Smith to take on a much larger scoring role I guarantee you that they're going to ask Fletcher Lawyer to take on a lot much more score much more of a scoring role they're going to need more transition offense they're going to try to use I think Miles Colvin and Camden Heidi a little bit more in transition get the ball and go. You have a point guard who's wired that way, but throwing the ball ahead and trying to be fast. That's the antithesis of having Zach Eady on your team, but it's something that I think they're going to try to, you know, be more mindful of, be more, you know, prioritize a little bit more. Um, Purdue's just got to make shots, man. I mean, that's all there is to it. I think, uh, I think Trey Kaufman Wren's going to be a bigger part of their offensive mix. I think you're going to see them try to play him and Edie together. I've always thought that was wonky as hell from a spacing perspective, but you got time now to practice this a little bit more in advance of the season. And maybe those two can, can 
can coexist a little bit uh, and you can have another scoring asset out there um, at the four, whereas Craig Kaufman Ren was exclusively their backup five for the most part last year. I don't think Caleb first played center at all. Uh, I'd have to go back and look, but I won't. Um, I think <laughs> he did a little, but not a lot. He what? He did a little, I think, but not very much. You're right. That might have just been uh, foul trouble deals, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I thought last going into last year, first was their backup center, and Kaufman Wren was going to be their backup four. I think Kaufman Wren's body during his redshirt year went the opposite way of where it needed to go for him to play away from the basket a little bit. Uh, he got bigger and stronger. Now he needs to get a little quicker and uh, lean down a little bit. Uh, I think first was better defensively in switches and things like that. So he ended up, you know, uh, at, at the four more often. I think you might see that flip a little bit this year, provided Kaufman Wren can handle the, the defensive part of it, uh, stretch the floor a little bit more with his shooting, uh, to open up space for Edie. Uh, maybe if they use Edie a little more, bit more away from the basket, maybe that sets up some high-low stuff for Kaufman Wren. You would see Zach Edie feeding the post. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think they just need more avenues for offense. They just need to take some pressure off Edie. If he's taking fewer shots next year, if he's getting fewer touches, that might not be a bad thing for Purdue. That might mean that some other things have started to click. And now all of a sudden you're more of a complete team. Whereas last year you were so top heavy. I always compared it to the, and nobody gets this. But I was compared to the scene in the opening credits of the Flintstones where they put the big-ass thing of ribs on the side of the car and it tips over. I thought that that was Purdue's balance offensively last year. It was all Edie and everything else tipped over because he had so much He had so much responsibility. I think those freshman guards are going to be ready for much more now. Um, and I think you're just going to see a more complete offensive team. Uh, you're going to see a better defensive team uh, led by Edie. Uh, I think that's another part of the game where he can help himself from a, from an NBA perspective next year. If he can just do a better job covering ball screens, that's the NBA nowadays. And if that's the single biggest knock on him, I'm quite certain. I, I have no idea what the NBA told him, but if, if it's not ball screen defense number one on the list, then I don't know if they know what they're doing. Uh, that's going to be the biggest knock on every player like Edie that comes along. Uh, That said, I've always said if you are good enough, he said this too. I've said it too, but uh, I'm just parroting him. If you're good enough, the NBA is going to find a place for you. And uh, you got to show them you're good enough, though. And the way the game is played nowadays, there are certain things you have to be able to be competent in, um, capable of doing physically. Uh, and that's going to be one of those things, too. But uh, I think offensively and defensively, Purdue is a better team now than it was a year ago. That, that's a mouthful. Yeah, no doubt. And I do get your, your Flintstones references right in my wheelhouse. It was years before you were born when I was watching that. So I didn't ever, I never, I never understood what it was. It looked like it was a big rack of ribs, which it was, it was. It was a rack, rack of ribs. What did I but say? I didn't get it. I don't think I figured that out until at least the mid to late 80s. So I assume it was ribs from a dinosaur because it was so, yeah. it was so big. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I, I, I don't know clear. what sort of, creature would have ribs that big other than other than a dinosaur um, yeah it had to have been dinosaurs i just didn't know what kind of barbecue sauce was on i mean flipping a car I and mean, think about how big those <laughs> ribs have to be uh albeit a feet propelled car 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that, did, uh, that might have made it lighter weight. I don't know. You know, hey, it could have been. It's we, we are overwhelming all our younger viewers right now. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, and sending them right to the uh, stop button. All right. Um, I know the Purdue's going to have a basketball reunion, which uh, I think it's going to be August 6th, that Saturday. There'll be a game um, which will have, I'm sure, a great deal of interest now before the Boilermakers take off for their European tour. Uh, there'll be that to look forward to and, and other things as well. So safe travel. Anything else you want to add to the fray besides Flintstone stuff? I was going to say we'll go on to Mr. Dean Hart next, talk some football and some scheduling and all that, but to anything else, uh, we'll look forward to getting you back up here in Indiana. I, I know you just can't wait to get back to this. God, it's going to be hot in Indiana this weekend. 90- every every part of my body hurts right now from walking <laughs> for two and a half days. Every bone, every no tendon, sunburn, every, every muscle, no sunburn. I, I I can't be in the sun. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's it's kind of an interesting uh, interesting deal. But uh, it's nice to be sitting down in the air conditioning right now. So you really really did me a solid here by asking me to do this. So thank you. All right. Forcing you at gunpoint. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to your, your lovely family about that and ask for their, ask for their deliverance as well. So, all right, well, thanks so much. We'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll make the quick transition to Tom Deanhart and talk a little bit of, like I said, Purdue football, a little scheduling, a little what July, June recruiting and football as well. And we'll look forward to that. Thanks, Brian. Have safe travel travels back to Indiana. He's not going to have a giraffe. So, well, no, he's not. He does not. I, I'm going to guess he just doesn't have a draft. It's just he's he's totally <laughs> lost this one. Uh, I've, yeah. I've I've dominated this simulcast. I've got to the draft. It's maybe the first and last. I just hope we aren't breaking any light Disney licensing rules. Walt Disney would die licensing rules by that giraffe in the back. YouTube. Get me. Yeah. All right. All right. Have a good one, my friend. Thanks. All right. Saturday simulcast with Tom Deanhart and. Uh, on the heels of the Zach Eady news, uh, we will talk some football here. And, and obviously, uh, Tom, uh, it is now starting June, which is camp month for for Ryan Walters and staff. Be some folks visiting visiting campus. Uh, I don't know if you can sense what what will be different than what's been done in the past, but uh, what can you share about what to, what to expect here in the next month? Yeah, they got six camps uh, starting this weekend. They've got a camp for specialists on Saturday. So uh, that will be interesting as well. And um, I'm not going to have another camp on Sunday, just a one-day camp as well, just for uh, for individuals. So, yeah, as you know, it's a chance for, for players to come to come to campus and audition before the, uh, for the coaches, maybe for a scholarship offer. And... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who, who all who all comes uh, to these camps, Alan. Um, they've got a lot of a lot of official visitors already set up for this month. By my count, at least thirty. Uh, this is a light weekend. They've only got four guys coming in that I'm aware of. Uh, they're going to have a big weekend, June 23rd to the 25th. Uh, probably the busiest weekend for official visits with a lot of high-profile guys coming in. And you know, this month too, all of the eight uh, verbal commitments for the class of 2024 also are going to take their official visits. So they'll have a lot going on here in June as a staff. You get the sense that anything, in, you know, you know, how he's going to use these camps, obviously a chance to see some folks, see some kids that might be possibility down, you know, in years down the road, what, what will be, 
anything uh, dynamic about what will take place outside of a chance to get these guys on campus? I, I don't think so. I mean, I guess, I guess a camp's a camp, you know, I, yeah. I don't know how they'd really differ from staff to staff. Um, I'm sure the drills and things they do are pretty similar. It's just, sure. just about, just about test driving the merchandise. Yeah. You have a chance to see these guys up close. Uh, you can measure them, you can weigh them, you can time them, put them through drills, see them with your own eyeballs, you know, see how quick they are, look at their agility. Just those types of things. I mean, it's nothing unique that, that uh, these staffs do. Uh, sort of like a combine, if you will, in some ways. Um, it's not all about trying to call prospects. You know, there are kids that just come to these camps to learn skills, <laughs> better football players. But uh, certainly it's a chance for, for the staff and for players also to get in front of each other and, uh, I guess, you know, try, try to match up and see if, if maybe, uh, may, maybe they can become a recruit or, or the staff wants to recruit them. Yeah, you you look at what you said, eight guys of eight eight of the commitments coming in as well. You know, in today's transfer portal uh, world and whatever the whatever term we want to use, the wild wild west is it is retention. You know, guys that are committed, you're gonna have to keep recruiting guys till they sign, obviously in December. But uh, any factor there is it is the ability to get them on your campus campus and not get them someplace else uh, have added importance at this point, or is it? is that uh, too early to tell or is that no factor at all from your perspective? I don't, I, I guess I, I don't see how, how anything's changed with that. Um, you know, these guys are, there's eight guys that have committed so far and they're all, like I said, they're going to all take their official visits this, this month. Uh, they've already committed, but they're still taking official visits, which I always think is kind of curious. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I guess anyway, they'll get wined and dined and, um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you don't you don't sign a letter of intent till till December at the earliest, and there's another window in February. So yeah, there's it's it's not like it's changed at all. There's always a chance guys can leave, but it's just part of the process. These guys are taking their official visits, and I think this class is probably going to be at least twenty to maybe twenty two when it's all said and done. Um, again, again, they're right; they're eight right now. And June's a month where typically you see a lot of guys commit. So yeah. You know, we could see maybe five or six, seven commitments this month from some of these guys taking official visits. I think Purdue's well positioned with, with several guys that are going to be coming in. And I think this weekend in particular, there's a there's an outside linebacker from Tennessee, Elijah Groves. I think Purdue is maybe best positioned at, uh, with of, of the four coming in this weekend to maybe get a commitment at some point. But again, as anybody who follows recruiting, follows Purdue recruiting knows, Again, this June, this this series of camps, series of visits. Again, it's always a time when we see a lot of guys commit. So, you know, by the time we get to July, Alan, who knows? Maybe this class will have doubled to sixteen commitments. Yeah, head on a swivel month certainly uh, from that standpoint because you got. Uh, it certainly has been a busy month even in past past years uh, since the the calendar changed, which is what three or four years ago. So. Uh, that uh, will be interesting to watch. All right. Uh, you also, the scheduling news came out this week and and just in terms of timing, uh, some interesting things, I guess, to know that you're going to play at least your first two games look like at noon uh, when Purdue takes on Fresno State and goes to Virginia Tech. Then, of course, uh, a night game against Syracuse. We already knew that it was going to be a night game the following Friday against Wisconsin, but uh, 
Anything uh, noteworthy, glaring, uh, interesting from that standpoint? I mean, we're all going to have to get used to this. Uh, some of the new places, NBC, obviously, for Purdue Syracuse on on the 16th. Uh, just going to be new places to find uh, college football, Big Ten football, with the new agreement. Yeah, you know, it's uh, we're, we're all headed toward a, a world where it's just going to be exclusively streaming, I think. Most people think yeah. eventually. When that day comes, who knows, five, ten years down the road, bottom line is is I think everybody agrees as far as industry experts and media watchdogs who really monitor, you know, uh, the broadcast industry in particular that, again, um, we're headed toward a streaming world exclusively, I think. And uh, we're seeing the NFL do more of it. Um, obviously, they're going to have a game streamed on a playoff game, I think, streamed on Peacock this year. We saw, we know about their agreement with Amazon. So the NFL is, is, is becoming more and more aggressive with it. And we're seeing the Big Ten sort of dip its toe in it with streaming some games on Peacock, which is the, uh, of course, the uh, the premium content partner of NBC. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be a different world. And and uh, we have to get used to it. And, uh, you know, early on, I'm, you know, this the, the schedule, I think, uh, you know, those first two games at noon, they're going to be hot ones, right? Allen Fresno yeah. State home and then at Virginia Tech. And then we knew about the Syracuse game at night. That's that's Purdue's first appearance on NBC. And then the Wisconsin game as well, a Friday night game. And then, Allen, I think either uh, the Illinois and the, the Iowa game, September 30th, October 7th. <clears throat> we were given three different possible time possibilities for both those games. And each game has a, one, one of the options is 7.30. Yeah. Of course, is the NBC time slot. So, long story short, I wouldn't be shocked that maybe one of those two games could land up on on NBC when it's all said and done. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, where Purdue lands on the, on the TV dial here uh, when the rest of these times and, and broadcast partners are announced. You know, I think it's been reported, Alan, that NBC is going to air 15 games um, this year. Big 10 games, and they're going to have nine on Peacock. CBS is only going to have seven games. In 2023, uh, Big 10 games, it'll be interesting to see if Purdue gets a CBS game this year. So, uh, yeah, it's always kind of fun to watch this, this TV schedule sort of unfurl before our very eyes. Yeah, the CBS time slot, 3.30, is that what it is? Yeah, or yeah. Again, that's in Illinois and Iowa and Nebraska, all three of those were, were, were possibilities uh for 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 starts for purdue too so maybe illinois iowa and nebraska game could be sliding on on the cbs at some point too yeah and uh it'll take place where it used to be the sec what one thing will be interesting to see and of course you talked about that streaming game and i guess purdue will go head to head if i read it right on uh, thursday morning that purdue syracuse will be on the on the big nbc and then i think it's michigan state and washington on that streaming service mm-hmm. Yes, uh, you're right. Uh, you're exactly right. It is the way I think you're right that uh, this is where it's all headed, how fast it gets there. And there'll be some gnashing of teeth about that. It already has been about the NFL and on streaming and, and certainly more of this in college. But uh, that will be a glaring example on the 16th of, a, of how games will go head to head. And one will be on the broadcast air, Purdue Syracuse, and one will be streaming. Gonna Again, that new world that we're all embracing. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of clunky, 
anybody who's, who's, who's tried to watch multiple games at once, you know, we're used to the remote control days where you're going to go between channels. Obviously with streaming, you got to get in and out of apps and it's, it's, it's again, like I think clunky is a good word. It's not smooth. It, it's a little, a little bit more time intensive. Uh, it's not, not as quick of a, of a, of a video of, of a viewer of a viewer experience as we're used to with cable and our remote controls. So that's, that's the one thing you always hear people sort of talk about. So um, yeah, it's here, Alan. And uh, you know, I guess ESPN's already talking about going totally streaming in a few years as well. So again, you know, again, this is the new world that we're living in and in the pac 12, Alan, watch the pac 12. Yeah. You know, they've been, they've been, we've been waiting months for them to announce their TV deal. And they're supposed to have some streaming component as well. Uh, their streaming component could be even bigger than the Big Tens. Um, it may need to be if they want to get the dollar figures that they desire. So it will be interesting to see how deep the Pac-12 goes with streaming in their upcoming TV package when that is announced, who knows, maybe in a month or so. Yeah, smart TVs can can toggle some back and forth. I haven't fully figured out my mind yet but you're right it isn't it'll come to a point where you can probably throw them up on the screen if you're if you're streaming them but uh, not everybody's there yeah. yet and uh, it's it's going to be a, it is going to be a big adjustment for folks i just don't know you know you, you open up your amazon app and you got you watch your amazon game then you have to then if i want to watch a game on youtube tv well i got to open up my youtube tv app and get out of my amazon app if i want to watch on game peacock i got to get out of my youtube tv app then upload my or, or, or launch my Peacock app. So again, it's just, you, you've got a smart TV. You know what you have to do. You have to launch an app, yeah. you have to find your program. And then if you want to watch something else on another app, you got to close that app out and open up another app. So it's, it's just not a real smooth experience. Yeah. My guess is it'll morph into it over time, but you're right. Maybe it, this... I mean, there's, there's smarter minds than I, that I'm sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe they'll end up coming up with some type of a hub, a catch-all hub where, it's, it's, it's a smoother and, and a more clean experience to, to go between apps. But boy, Alan, it's, it's, uh, it seems like we're, we're regressing from the days where we could just, you know, flip our remote and, and toggle between previous channel and, 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 and even get up from our seat, Alan, and, and turn the dial <laughs> on the TV like we did back in 1975. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it'll adjust, but uh, it's going to be an interesting time frame. All right, Tom. Well, we'll look forward to your coverage, obviously, throughout the month of June. Uh, and we'll also, you know, obviously there'll be be more football news as you go. I got I did get a kick out of your out of your uh ranking the the best players in the Big Ten. My only question, my and you everybody has was Luke Fickle seemed lower than I would have anticipated. I agree with your pet Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, but uh, uh, a good read nonetheless. Really interesting that that everybody in the league is has played it. Some I was amazed that you're able to get some pictures of some of those guys playing at East Stroudsburg State, but, uh, et cetera. But a good read it's is kind all. of fun. It's just kind of a fun thing in a slower time of the year. Uh, so yeah, just like I said, um, um, just uh, something a little bit different, a left turn, and 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 maybe it's something people enjoy as a diversion. Hey, real quick, too, Alan, transfer portal. Yeah. You know, Purdue's not done yet. Again, by my count, they've, they've accounted for 83 of 85 scholarships. But I do think, Alan, that they, they want to get another offensive lineman. I'm, I'm pretty sure they've got a, they've got a guy that they're targeting um, that, that, that they hope they can get. 
So keep your eye on that. We may not hear about that till July, though. I think the guy's got some schoolwork he's got to clean up. And um, I got to think, too, Alan, they may want to get a linebacker if they can at some point this summer after they lost Jacob Wahlberg. The inside linebacker position, to me, is awfully thin as well. So those are just a couple of things to keep your eye on. I think there's still going to be some portal additions here this summer. Nothing wholesale, but look for a couple of dribs and drabs here, I think, uh, the next couple of months or so. Yeah, and you did report on the Sean Stevens situation, not able to get in. Yeah, that yeah, was, that was uh, too bad. It was too bad. bad. They, they, they would have taken him. I think if they, if they could get another defensive end, I think they would take another defensive end, Alan. Um, otherwise, I'm not sure if they've got any real glaring uh, glaring needs outside of, like, I think, inside linebacker and offensive line at this point. I guess if they could get a cornerback, they would take him as well. So they'll, they'll, they'll have to make the numbers work. Uh, I'm sure they can figure that out. But May 29th, all the players got back to campus, Alan. Um, they're going to begin their summer workouts. And I checked all the transfer portal guys that they got uh, this winter have all enrolled. I think there are 13 of them. And that's that's important to know because these portal guys, there's nothing that binds them to schools until they enroll. Uh, a couple of years ago, Purdue had a guy commit, then not come. Um, he switched schools. So there's no letter of intent for portal guys, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They're not yours until they enroll in school. And all the Purdue's guys are enrolled. So that's a nice box to check, I'm sure, for the staff to make sure everybody's accounted for in here. Yes, and a point of reference, too, for those of you who may not know, Sean Stevens is the cornerback that Purdue is trying to get a six-year eligibility waiver from the NCA did not happen. Uh, I, so think, I, I, think, I think it was even a seventh year, Alan. The seventh, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah so. And did, did that surprise you at all? I mean, or, I was told I was told it was going to be a long shot. And <laughs> I've talked to Sean and texted with him lately. I'm going to have a little, uh, little, you know, conversation with him and, and boiling over that, that, that I'm sure people may have read. Uh, Thursday. So anyway, yeah, he's uh he was disappointed. And I sort of chronicled a situation in something I wrote a month or two ago. Right. Um, but I was told by people around the situation that it was probably going to be a long shot. His initial request was denied. He filed an appeal, and this time the appeal was denied. So he told me he's going to go play football at Ferris State up in Michigan. Um, but again, if he would have got that year, he certainly was going to take him. Yeah. All right. It's the brave new world, my friend. So, hey, Tom, we thank you so much for all you're doing. And uh, we also thank all of you for watching and listening to the Saturday simulcast brought to the Union Club Hotel. We appreciate them, too, and Vicki Wicks and the group there that all they do for us. So have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll look forward. We'll probably be back in a couple of weeks with another show. Uh, kind of in our summer uh, week on, week off uh, rotation. There won't be any crazy news like Zach Eady, I don't think, in the next two weeks. <laughs> nutty last night. Hey, I didn't get your what, what was your take on this? You watch media stuff. Yeah, I don't, you know, it was it seemed like it was 50-50, right? Coming on right up to the uh to the uh, the witching hour, if you will. And uh, I think that's true. I kind of thought maybe he would leave. I just think he comes back, he's gonna everybody's all these experts going to pick his game apart even more. He was at the, the peak, the zenith of his college career when this last year ended, uh, aside from the loss in the tournament. But personally, Alan, as you know, I mean, what didn't he accomplish? 
And it's going to be hard to repeat that. People are going to expect him to repeat that. I mean, I'm, I'm glad he's back for the fan base and personally, oh, yeah. it's going to be really exciting too. But, and again, Alan, I, if he comes back and if he does average 30 points again, he's not going to become a lottery pick. No. And he's probably not even going to become a first round pick next year. So I, I think he sort of is what he is at this point. Um, again, I don't think he can really enhance his stock as a, as an NBA player, but obviously Zach Keaton has got other things that are, that matter to him. And boy, it's, it's kind of cool to see a guy come back to college like this, a bona fide star to see what he can do. And uh, boy, but he's going to be in a white hot spotlight from, from the opening tip this year. It's going to be a very fun, exciting year. Yeah, no doubt. Ralph Sampson, I think the only last one to go back to back, uh, national player of the year. That's I suppose is possible. Of course, Oscar Shibway would have thought that was possible last year. It did not happen for him, but yeah. going to be an interesting time and uh, fun to watch, uh, certainly. And uh, Zach Eady, a class act and a good guy for college basketball. He'll be back at Purdue. All right. We'll finally put an end to this. Thanks again, Tom. And we'll look forward to uh, in our next Saturday simulcast mm -hmm. on goldenblack.com.